you when you haven't read the Bible or you haven't been praying. And so we feel this motivation, this religious motivation at times to go through the motions of Christianity, but there's no life there, there's no passion to it. It's, it's, it's something that we feel we have to do because God will be angry at us or God will be mad with us if we don't. And how many of you know that's not Christianity? That's not the Christianity the Bible talks about. Uh, we should be praying because we want to. Because there's something inside of us that's so grateful for what God has done and so aware of God's presence and activity in our life that we want to pray. We want to talk to him. Not because we have to, because we want to. Uh, how, how, how bad would your marriages be and your relationships and your time if you spent time with each other just because you had I just have to do it. I don't want to be with my wife, but because we're married, we're in this thing called a relationship, well, part of being married is I have to spend time with her. You know? How, how dead would that be? How, how flat would that make her feel to know that I'm only spending time with her because I have to? No, no, she wants me to be with her because I want to be. And God's the same. God wants us to be with him because we want to be. He wants us to spend time with him because we want to. And that comes out of that, that passion, that love for God on the inside of us. That comes out of what Jesus referred to here as abundant life. And we have that on the it motivates us to want to be with God and, and, and want to pray and want to do these things. So we don't do them in some ritual, but we do them because of the life of God that resides inside of us. The thief ultimately wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy. He wants to life. How many of you know that, that when Jesus died on the cross, the focus wasn't sin? It wasn't focused on sin. The Bible doesn't say, for God so hated sin that he sent his only son that whosoever should believe in him shall perish. The focus of the death of, of, of Christ, the focus of the cross is people. It's us. Because he wanted to save us. Because he wants to give us life. Life. You know, too many people are, 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 are so focused on sin. You know, there's a... There's, there's a bunch of people that are so sin conscious they're generally the ones who are critical of everybody and picking apart everybody and you know and, and generally they only pick apart the things that they see in other people done in their own life if it's in your own life generally we're okay with it we don't pick those things but but we get sin conscious sin focused and so god doesn't want us to be sin he wants us to be conscious of sin but not sin conscious not focused on that he wants us to be focused on life because that's what he came to give us if we we're truly to embrace the life of God. Truly, uh, allow the life out of us. How different do you think our communities would be? How different do you think our relationships would be with people outside of, of the church? How much more attractive do you think God's life would be to people if us as believers were able to tap into that life? If we were able to tap into the fruit of that life? The kind of life that Jesus wants to give us. You know, when you read the, 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 the book of the church, they didn't have all the technology we've got and all the you know, stuff that we've got, but they had life in them. They had life. They had the power of God within them, the life of God. And we don't know everything about how that church grew, but what we do know is this. The church grew. The church grew. The church grew because of a bunch of people that were passionate for God, a bunch of people that were connected to God. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to have that kind of life, the life of God flowing through us. And that doesn't mean being fake and running around with a smile on your face all the time, pretending bad things don't happen. It's not about that. But it's about having that, that, that natural tendency to be able to reflect God, to be able to see God in a situation, in each circumstance, to hear the voice of God, to walk with God daily, 
to respond when God says go left, when God says go right, when God says help this person, when God says to respond and walk in. And that's the goal. Of I got online and I, I looked in some science journals because I thought, Line and I searched through some science journals, and the best that I could come up with, because even in science journals, you know what, they can't quantify life. When you, when you read through science journals and articles and stuff, they try to quantify what exactly is life, but, but no one agrees on what exactly is life, how do you quantify it? So I just grabbed things that were similar uh, in all the different ones that I looked at, and there's, there's four things that out. Number one, living things energy. So for some considered alive, it needs energy, where that energy comes from, it didn't say, but it needs energy. Second thing is living things grow and develop. Living things will grow and develop. It's a natural byproduct. When life is, we grow and we develop. Living things respond to their surroundings. So living, living things are not inactive objects that are just there. They respond to what's going on around them. They respond to their environment. And living things reproduce. Reproduce a little bit like the early church did, and when two hundred were added and three thousand. 5,000 and so on and so forth. And daily people were getting saved and coming to faith in Living things grow. Now this list contains some characteristic things, but how many of you know you can have all those You can still not have life. What is it? What is it that helps us tap into life as God wants us to have it? It's one thing to say, yeah, God came to give me abundant life, but, but how do I tap into that life? Do I just need to pray more? Maybe. Do I need to read more Bible? I don't know. Is that how we tap into that life? Uh, do we need to come to church more? Is that going to help us tap into that life? Is that going to, you know? All these things are good and great in, 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 in themselves and, and so on, but is that what we need to do to tap into the life of God? Do we need to do more things? Do we need to be more? What, what do we need? God came to give us life. Jesus wants us to have abundant life. How do we tap into that abundant life? Well, it's actually pretty easy. One of the, the main uh, activators of the life of God is, is right here in the Word of God. Go with me for a second. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Again, most of you will know this verse. You won't need me to read it out to you. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Moses is in the next generation of Israel, the law. Remember, they came out of Egypt and they were going to go to the promised land and they all messed up. And God said, you guys are whinging and whining and so on. I can't take you into the promised land. Therefore, you'll die here in the desert. And then all that generation will pass, except for a couple of them. And then Moses knows that he's not going over there either because uh, of some transgressions that he had made. And so he gets all the next generation of Israel together and he begins to speak to them and he, and he reiterates to them the law and everything like that. And that's where we come to in this book of Deuteronomy. And he gets to a point and he says this, after laying out all these regulations and things that that were part of the deal back then. He says, Today I've given you the choice between life and death. You and your descendants might live. Now keep in mind, salvation. This is a generation of people that are already across to the promised land. So it's not talking about salvation. All right? Salvation is based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and that's it. Okay? There's nothing that we can do, nothing we can say, nothing we can try to, to, to attain to, to get us salvation other than surrendering at the cross, 
and saying, yes, Jesus, you took the punishment for my sin and I'll accept the life that you offer me. But once we walk into that and we're saved, we then have a responsibility to make right choices. Choices that will help us tap into the life that God wants for us. Every time I read this verse, I'm reminded of it's like a, uh, Eddie Maguire on who wants to be a millionaire, you know? He's like, he's, he's reading out the, 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 the questions. Like I laid before you today, there's your two answers. You've got uh, life and death. You've got blessing and cursing. And, uh, you know, what's your choice? What are you going to pick? Is it A, life? Is it B, death? What is it, you know? You phone a friend, you can uh, uh, do all the things they do on those game shows. But, but he even throws in a hit there. He says, I want you to choose life. So here's, here's the question. Uh, I lay before you life, death, blessing, cursing. And here's a hint. I want you to actually choose life. Here's the, I'm telling you the answer. The answer is choose life. And this is what Moses is doing here. He's saying to them, this is what God is laying out for you. I'm giving you a hint here in case you're not getting it. Choose life. Choose life. You've got to make the choice. Choose to do what God has called you to do. Choose to live life the way that God has called you to live it. By making that choice, you are making a choice for life. When you don't make that choice, guess what? You're making a choice for death. Make choices in line with what God wants for us, we activate the life of God. We open up ourselves for the life of God to come on into that area of our world. Every time we make choices against what God wants for us, conscious and unconscious, we close that door. And every choice has yeah? Everything we do comes with consequences. But God is so good to us that he, he lays it out and says, please, choose life. Choose life. Make right choices. Make right choices. There are three areas in our world. about this this week. There are three main areas in our world every day where we choose life or death. Three main areas of choice. We choose in our actions. The things that we do. We make choices... In our words, things that we say, and we make choices in our attitudes, in our perspectives. Three areas of your life, you have to make a choice. Your actions, what you will do, your words, what you will say, and your attitudes, how you will respond, your perspectives, how you're going to look at life. Every day, we have to make choices in those three areas. Every choice that we make has a consequence. Every choice that we make is either creating an environment for the life of God, that abundant life of God, to begin to pour into our life, or it's creating an environment the opposite is happening. We're either opening a door for God to come in and do what God wants to do, or we're closing that door, we're opening up another door for another set of consequences and another type of life, which is technically called death, to come on into our world. Three areas. First one, our actions are story um, yesterday online actually about a six-year-old boy who comes crying to his mother because his little sister pulled his hair. Don't be angry, the mother says. Your little sister doesn't realise that pulling hair hurts. Short while later, there's more crying and the mother goes to investigate. This time the sister is bawling and her brother says, well, she knows now. Went in there and pulled her hair. Every action, reaction to it. Everything we do has a consequence. How many of you, when you were raising your children, um, they might have been carrying on or, or mucking up, uh, playing a PlayStation or, or outside doing... And, and you would lay out consequence. You would say, look, um, if you do this, this is what's going to happen, okay? If you do this, then this is what's going to happen over here. And we would lay it out. And at the end of the day, it became their choice. Yeah? 
Sometimes they would make the right choice and you'd buy them an ice cream or you do whatever it is that you do when you, you, you bless your kids and stuff. Every now and then, though, they would make a wrong choice and they would feel the wrath and the consequence of that bad choice. But regardless of, of, of what choice they made, I still loved my children. See? You still loved your children, regardless of the consequence. But you had to lay out the options. Choose life, choose death. Life will bring this to you. Death will bring this to you. It's your choice. You can't make them make the right choice. You can encourage them to make the right choice by outlining to them the consequences of the choices. If you do this, these are the consequences. These are great consequences. If you do this, these are consequences too, and they're not so great consequences. And God does the same thing for us. He lays it out and he says, I want to give you life. This is what I want to give to you. Choice comes back to you. And if you will choose life, and if you will choose to do life this way, and if you will choose to listen to me, if you will choose to respond my way, here are the consequences. Abundant life. Abundant life. Joy. Peace. Fulfillment. Satisfaction. All these things that God said, these will be the consequences of those choices. But so often, we choose this over here, and then we get angry at God because we're not seeing this consequence in our life. And God's up there scratching his head going, don't get mad at me. I'm standing with the ice cream in my hand, but I can't give it to you if you don't make these choices. That would be bad parenting. In our actions, we make choices. The way we treat people brings life and death to them. Do you realise that? The way you treat other people can bring life or death into their world. We've all got people in our world that we don't gel really well with. We've all got people in our world that, that we might never consider members of our inner sanctum. And that's okay. Because they're all different personalities and we all don't have to be the, 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 uh, you know, in each other's pockets. Body's best friend. It's, it's an impossible uh, ideological dream to think that you will be everybody's best friend. You don't people you gel with, some people you don't. But it's still important how we treat those people, even the ones we don't gel naturally with, even the ones that we don't feel like we're going to pour our whole life and all our energy into. But it's still, there are still consequences to the way we treat them. We can still bring life into them or we can bring death into them based on the way that we treat people. The food and the drink that you consume every day. It can bring life or it can bring death. Every action has a consequence. Things we allow ourselves to watch on television, they're going to bring life or they're going to bring death. Are they adding? Are they in a position where they're adding to your life? You get up and you walk away and you're feeling good about it and you're fine and you feel great. Or are you walking away feeling a bit disgusted at yourself maybe? You shouldn't have watched that. You shouldn't have been listening to that program. I shouldn't... And it creates this environment, this atmosphere inside of you, life and death. Life and death. In our words, the words that we say, Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Power of the tongue. You know, God created the world by using what? Words. You know, you create by using words. You create the environment you live in by the words that you speak. I can use words right here and change the environment. I can stand up and say, you know what, you guys are fantastic. And God loves you and his grace is bountiful towards you. 
and, and he's got great plans for you and great purposes. And we can have a really nice environment and atmosphere here. You know, I could turn around and go, you know what, you rotten, dirty bunch of sinners. God is so mad at you. He doesn't like you. He told me this morning, I was praying, he told me when you just put them in their place, tell them what I really think of them and change the entire environment in this room by the words that I speak. Change the entire environment in your life, the way you feel, by the use of the words that I, that I throw your way. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. God created the world by using his words. By using our words. We still create. Create environments. We create things in our own world, in our own life. How many of you, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, some years ago there was a, uh, a woman on TV, I think. Uh, she was on one of those 60 Minutes or something. And, and she had spoken herself to get attention from people that she had ovarian cancer or something like that. And she never had it. But she kept speaking out, I've got this, I've got this, I've just to... It's a little bit like what we've just seen recently with, with another person. And you know what happened? About 10 years later down the track, she got it. She got exactly what she spoke over her own world. She spoke death into her body and she got death in her body. Uh, there was another lady, she was a friend of a friend of ours, and her daughter did a similar thing. To get attention when she was young, she started speaking out, um, I've got anorexia or something like that. She started speaking this thing out over herself. And she ended up dying in hospital. And when her mother was sitting with her in the hospital before she died, she, the girl was crying and the girl relayed back to her mother, I'm so, so sorry that I did this to myself. I'm so sorry that I spoke this over myself. Our words carry great power. You know, science has discovered, actually, that if you tell yourself, I've got a real bad pain in my right hip, if I say that enough to myself, it goes in my ear and the receptors in my brain begin to tell my hip, you're in pain, so you need to act like you're in pain. You know? And so my hip, after a while, will start to hurt, I'll start to feel pain there because the receptors in my brain are sending messages to my hip saying, well, you're, you're meant to be in pain, so you need to be in pain. Our words are very, very powerful things. We can build up, we can tear down, we can create good things, we can create bad things with the power of words. And, and God knows how many words would you throw out. I've never done the count, but I reckon I'd be spitting out plenty of thousands of words in a day. And each of those words have the potential to bring life or they have the potential to bring death. The New Living Translation will experience the consequences for the tongue can kill or nourish life. Or nourish life. Third area is in the area of attitudes. You know, stuff happens to you every day. Stuff happens to me every day. I can't control what happens to me, but I can certainly control the response I'm those things. I can control the camera angle that I choose to look at any situation or any circumstance through. How many remember a few years ago um, the, the late Steve Irwin? Remember he was in the news for holding his baby in a crock pan? Who, who saw that? Yeah? Um, remember, it was all over the papers and giving it to him, giving it to him. And I don't know if you saw the, the, the footage though. They showed the footage on TV and it looked dangerous. It looked like really, really dangerous. But there was another camera angle. I don't know if any of you saw it. 
But he came up a week later, uh, a talk, uh, a, um, yeah, one of those talk shows, and he came on with another camera. Somebody else had a camera from a different angle, from a side-on angle. And he came on the show and he showed that angle. And what that angle showed was that there was probably a good distance of, you know, here to that wall away. There was a massive distance between where he had that child and where the crocodile was. But from this other camera angle, it looked really, really close and dangerous. It wasn't until he brought out this other camera angle when people realised, you know. And how many of you know life can be like that? We can look at things through one particular camera angle and it can look a certain way. But you know what? There are many different cameras looking at that same scene. It's a bit like when you're watching the football nowadays. Slow it down for every try. And there's 15 different camera angles. And they're looking at it from the bottom and up and left and right and all this sort of stuff. And from seven angles, it's a dead try. And the commentators are going, oh, that's a try. What are they wasting their time? It's a try. It's a try. And then all of a sudden, you get one camera angle. And just at the last minute, it's bobbled the ball. Oh, oh, no, he's dropped it. We didn't see that in the first six camera angles. But we saw it there. All the other way around, oh, there's no way that's a try. He's dropped the ball, he's lost, blah, blah, blah. And then finally they find a camera angle and all of a sudden on that camera angle, you see the very, very tip of his finger just touching the ball as it goes on the ground and that constitutes a try. And it changes the whole scenario, changes everybody's opinion and it changes the outcome and changes the course of the match because of a different camera angle. And attitudes and perspectives can be like that. There are many different angles and ways that we can look at situations. We all have a certain way that's much more natural. Isn't that right? We have a default that we go to straight away. Some of us are very optimistic people, some of us are a bit more pessimistic people. Some of us see the glass half empty, some of us see the glass half full. Some of us see things naturally with a more positive bent, some of us more naturally with a bit of a, a negative bent, whatever it is. But the reality of the fact is, it doesn't matter what our default camera is, change that angle. We can make choices and change that camera angle. We can make choices life through a different lens. We can make choices to look at life and situations differently. I had a woman come in, in uh, my shop um, Friday and she came in and she bought a whole stack of stuff and she had a purse with her, and a, a little flower-covered purse. She walked in, she loaded up all these shopping trolleys, got the registers and realised, I've lost my purse. It had $1,000 cash in it and all these credit cards and stuff. And she was having a big family gathering uh, last night and she was out there buying all the drinks for the family gathering. And she panicked. She lost it in the shop. She started getting all teary and, and she got, actually got quite angry. And, and, and I, un, I understand this. She got quite rude to me and one of the other managers there. And, and, and she was kind of giving it to us a bit. And we had had some theft around the exact same time that she lost her purse. We had some people in there that had stolen some stuff. And we were in the process of looking at the, the security footage, the security cameras, to see, to make sure these people had stolen stuff. And they had. So when she comes out and says, oh, my purse... And she takes us to where she was. She was in the exact same spot where this group of people were hanging around. So instantly we, we thought, oh, they've probably taken your purse, you know. But we're trying to calm her down. Look, we're getting on the cameras in there. We're going to have a look on the cameras and, and, and we'll be able to see. We've got the police on their way now so we can let them know. that da, da, da. She didn't care about that. She was getting mad and angry and so on. And I'm trying to pack the fire on the shop floor and, and she's all upset and mad. Well, hurry up and look at the cameras. What are you And it's like, hey, this wasn't my problem. Lose your purse, hey, I, you know. But she was sort of going at us a bit. Anyway, I turned around to walk away and I just said a quiet little prayer, God, if it's here, where is it? And I walked straight over to the trolley bay where we keep all of our trolleys and right there, sitting on top of the shopping trolleys, was a red basket and in, I looked in the red basket and there's her purse. So I picked it up and I walked over and I said, excuse me, does your purse look anything like this? She was so happy. She grabbed the purse, she opened it up, and guess what? There was $1,000 in there, everything was in place. 
She turned to me, she wrapped her arms around me, she's a lot older than me, and put her head on my shoulder and started sobbing like a baby. I'm so sorry. I was so rude to you. I said, that's fine, you know. I understand that. I've, I've lost wallets before and, you know. Oh, I get it. No dramas, you know. So then she's, oh, she was a bit nervous. So I said, I'll help you carry your stuff out. And we're at the checkout and she's paying for it. She looks up at me and, and she had this other lady with her and she goes, this has been the worst day of my life. This is the worst day. And I said to her, I don't think that's true. She looked at me. I said, well, it's, it depends on how you want to look at it. You can look at this as the worst day because you almost lost your wallet and your thousand dollars, blah, blah, blah. Or you can see this is one of the best days of your life because how many people lose a purse in a bottle shop with a thousand dollars cash in it and find it? How many people do that? And all of a sudden she perked up, got a bit of a smile and went, oh, yeah, that's right. This is a great day. Just by looking at a simple situation from a different perspective, from a different <laughs> angle, can completely change that perspective. It didn't change what happened. What happened, happened. But it certainly changed the way she looked at it, which in turn brought life into her. By looking at it from a different perspective, by looking at it from a, a different angle, brought life into her. It's all about perspective. Perspective will bring life or perspective will bring death. I was reading about a, a group of senior citizens who one day, La Baraka's a Friday, and um, one of them says, my arms are so weak I can barely lift this coffee cup. Another one goes, I know what you mean, my cataracts are so bad I can't even see my coffee. Another one goes, I can't turn my head because of the arthritis in my neck. Next one goes, I can't bend my left knee. Another one goes, blood pressure bills make me feel dizzy. Never since my stroke, my hands tremble, said another. Then there was a moment's pause and one of them said, well, at least we can all still drive. <laughs> Perspective, you see. Find the positives in life. A positive attitude does not deny the but it denies the problem's right to control you. It denies the problem's right to have control of your life. Okay? When we take responsibility for choices that we make, when we think about our actions, when we think about our words, when we think about our attitudes, it's amazing how that puts us in the strike zone for God to begin to do the stuff that God wants to do, for God to begin to unleash the kind of life that he wants for us. It's a bit like when you're surfing and you're sitting out the back and not that you'll be doing that at the moment, but if you're sitting out the back there and you're waiting. And, and, and when I first started to learn to surf when I was younger, I didn't want to get in with the crowd where the waves were. So I'd paddle out the back and I'd sit over here and I'd sit here for an hour and not get a single wave. Why? Because the waves were over there. But I didn't want to put myself in that position. I didn't want to go over to that place where all the people... So I sat over here and didn't get a wave. Well, what do you expect? You're sitting in the wrong spot. You're not positioning yourself in the right place to get a wave. You want to get a wave, you've got to get over here in the right spot, position yourself where the waves are, and then you can expect waves to come. But don't sit over here where there are no waves and get frustrated and angry and disappointed and dejected and feel sorry for yourself because you're not getting a wave. Well, whose fault is that? Who can change that? It's not that there aren't waves there. There are waves there. You are just not putting yourself in the right spot. And when we take responsibility and we think about our words, our actions, and our perspectives, our attitudes, it puts us in that right spot where the life of God is able to be poured out into us. Is that right? And it comes back to one thing, the power of your choices. What choices are you going to make? I was reading a, a, a study uh, online, a psychology study, and they were... They elderly and they were looking at age and their attitudes towards getting old and so on. And um, 
They found out that self-perception of ageing had a greater impact on survival than gender, socioeconomic status, loneliness and functional health. Your attitude and your perception to what you get older has a bigger attitude on what that life quality will be than any other factor, including your physical health. Interesting. It's all up here. How do you view it? What do you think about it as you get older? In fact, positive attitudes had a greater effect than lowered blood pressure or cholesterol. A positive attitude had a better outworking for the body than did low blood pressure and low cholesterol. And exercise, weight loss, and even non-smokers. The person with the best attitude, the person with the right perspective about ageing, came up with a tick in all of those boxes. Better than the person who ticked all the other boxes, was healthy and didn't smoke and took all the right this, that and the other. Attitude is so important. Perspective is so important. And if we want to achieve everything that God wants us to achieve, at some point we have to draw a line in the sand. Each one of us. You've got to draw that line in the sand. And you've got to take responsibility for your life. You know what responsibility means? It means to maintain the ability to respond. That's what responsibility we're not victims. None of us are victims. It doesn't matter what we're going through right now, we're not victims. We have choices that we can make. We can achieve what God wants us to achieve. We can be the people God wants us to be, regardless of what we're facing right now, as individuals, as families. You can be the husband that you want to be. You really can. It comes back to choice. You can be the wife that you want to be. It comes back to choice. You can be the, the, the son, the daughter that you want to be. I hope you're hearing this, kids. It comes back to choice. You can be the friend that you want to be. It comes back to choice. You can be the Christian that you want to be. The follower of Jesus that you want to be. It comes back to choice. Our words, our actions, and our attitudes. Let's all stand together. Father, we just thank you uh, this morning for uh, your presence with us, God. We thank you, Father, that, um, God, the, reality, the fact is the early church didn't have worship being God. They didn't have uh, lights and technology, TV screens, microphones. They didn't have all that stuff. But they had you. And, Lord, that was enough. That was enough to change the known world. And, Father, we have you right now. And that makes us a majority. That makes us some of the most powerful people on planet Earth because we're linked up with you. And Father, I just pray uh, this morning, Lord, as we're talking about the power of choice, God, I pray that you would give us the ability, God, give us the wisdom, God. Give us the discernment to make the right choices at the right times. Lord, whether it be uh, about things such as relationships and careers and finances and, 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 or, or God, whether it be a simple as whether we should choose to bless someone, whether we should choose to tell someone about them, whether we make the choice to pray for someone. Whatever that is, Father, I pray, God, this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would just seal in our hearts whatever it is that you're saying to us. And God, show us the importance of receiving that life and the importance of putting ourselves in that place to receive that life that you have for us, Father. God, I pray for each of us, Lord, as we go forward into this week. 
that we would think about our actions, we would think about our words, God. We would think about our attitudes and our perspectives. And that, Lord, we would be motivated, encouraged by the Holy Spirit to make the right ones and to bring life to planet Earth. God, that we would be people that, that wherever we go, that people see life. A God, that a, a world out there that's searching for you, searching for answers. Father, when they look at us, they would go, I don't know what it is, but they seem to have a quality of life. I don't know where they got it from, but they've got something I don't. And that, Lord, we would be able to share with them where we got it from. So, Father, I just pray for each of us, God, just seal that in our hearts, Father. God bless us this week as we go from this place. Lord, give us a great week, an excellent week. Keep us safe, Father. And, uh, Lord, bring us all back here next week, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, we'll take up our tithes and offerings before you go. So I just don't think about money. Sorry about that. Um, we'll take up our tithes and offerings. Chloe, I'll run the, run the bucket around.